0: Welcome to the Let's Go Recovery podcast, where we investigate sobriety and beyond that, explore solutions to help us heal at the core, where the root of our problems like addiction or alcoholism begin. We hope you hear something in today's podcast that ignites a change in your life. I'm here today with ex-Special Forces operative, father and current founder of Belong, Isaac Gucciardo, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me. All Glad right. to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for being on. Yeah. Hey, man, let's just jump right into it. I don't got my special clearance card. They didn't send that to me. I, I, I tried for it. They didn't get it to me in time. But I want to talk a little bit about your time in the service, first of all, on behalf of our viewers and myself. For, uh, personally, thank you for your service. I want to say that first. It's it's guys like you that make guys like me safe, and I appreciate you. Um, but I want to just jump into you as, as a special forces op or just as a um, veteran in itself. Tell me a little bit about like what you did for the country uh you know where maybe you were places you've been some of that sort of stuff
1: yeah sure so uh i signed my first military well my first and only military contract on my 18th birthday september 9th 2006 um i would have signed earlier but my mom refused to sign like the paperwork for me um because if something happened she didn't want to like feel responsible Uh, so i ended up signing on my 18th birthday uh shipped out january 2007 um i went in as an mp of all things um. So when you go in, you have to go through like MEPS, you take your ASVAB and all that. Um, so I scored like I could have done anything I wanted uh, based off ASVAB scores. Um, and they had at the time, right, uh, we were still pretty heavy overseas uh, in the sand over there. Um, so they had a lot of bonuses like attached um, with different MOSs. Um, and there was a $40,000 bonus for military policemen. Wow. I was like, all right, I guess wow. I'll do that. Um, Sounds fun. As, Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I ended up going in as an MP, um, then, uh, during the course of basic training, uh, pretty much got recruited, um, for a spec ops team, um, ended up doing HVT acquisition and interrogation. So trained for about 22, 23 months, about two years. Um, I had to sign on for another two. So I ended up doing six total. Um, yeah, I did six years of that, got out in 2012.
0: So you've seen a lot of stuff. You've been a lot of places and that's kind of, you know, where we jump to like, uh, people have some pain. People have some trauma. They've seen some stuff. They've done some stuff in your case. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about how that starts forming things like addictive behavior. Where does that kick in for you where you start turning to drugs, alcohol, whatever it is that you chose?
1: Yeah. I think probably the biggest, um, contributor to that, um, was that transition back into civilian life. Like for me, that was one of the most jarring things. Um, Because you come back to a place that's familiar, yet now it's also foreign. And these routines and regiments and things that you become used to and how you're able to operate um versus being a civilian, there's just a stark difference. So there's a lot of hurdles uh to overcome transitioning back into civilian life um and for me i just felt you know you hear a lot uh in the rooms people talk about i just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin Mm. and i had that before the fact so coming back um after six years away and just trying to reacclimate to that it was just this constant feeling of like uh as soon as i'd wake up in the morning it just kind of be this like right and i couldn't i couldn't put words to it i couldn't articulate it i just didn't feel right Right. Um, until I started doing opiates, right, and that took that way immediately, right? Mm-hmm. There was no more hesitation, there was no more anxiety, no more depression. It was just it just I was just empty, and I didn't have to feel or worry about anything. I just got to exist um and for me, uh especially like first when I got out, like that's what exactly I was looking for, like if I can just be here and not have to feel those feelings and just be like an empty hus then. I'm game and I'm on board. Not knowing that, oh, this is going to lead to this and X, Y, and Z, right? You don't know the consequences that are coming down the road. Um, You're just hearing that, like, I need help in this immediate moment, and this is an immediate solution, and I'm all in for it. Wow. So you've got these things that are in your brain, right?
0: I imagine you put your head down on your pillow at night, and there's some demons there. There's some thoughts. There's some stuff going through there. So you start taking opioids as a way to silence those you know, I'm gonna say triggers, whatever they might be, the mm-hmm. voices, right? So images, and so you start putting the opioids in your body, and then you start relying on them on a daily basis, and that's where addiction begins. Tell me a little bit about that, where it becomes part of your daily routine. Like, it, it starts out as just like a soothing, warm blanket, and all right. of a sudden it turns into this evil monster in your closet. Tell me a little bit about that, where that transition happens.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really sneaks up on you. Right. And you don't realize it as it's happening. But in retrospect, it's pretty clear to see. But your uh, like your status of living, like what you become accustomed to, like just continually becomes lower and lower and lower. And all of a sudden things that I never would have done on Monday. Now I'm doing it on Wednesday. And it's just and it's normal to me because the people that you're around when you're doing these type of things um, are generally in the same boat with you. Right. So if you're entire like close-knit community for lack of a better word is all doing the same thing then Mm. it's normal right you don't know that oh this isn't how like normal people like don't wake up and start you know searching for a rig or a tray or a pill or whatever the case may be you know they wake up go to the bathroom brush their teeth and start their day right (laughs) but to you i mean you're just like uh, that's weird right? right like how do you get out of bed without having something in your body right because for me like i just anything that was gonna like lead me to like the realization that, oh crap, like I'm with me right? mm-hmm. and there's no escaping me. Like no matter where I go, there I am. Right. And like, there comes a point, at least for me, where you're no longer able to believe the lie that you tell yourself. So whatever that may be, oh, I'm not, I'm going to get my stuff together tomorrow. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go find a job. I'm going to put a resume together. I'm going to start, uh, for me, I was just like, okay, I'm going to get a job at McDonald's. And then once I get a job at McDonald's, Then uh, I'm gonna save up some paychecks, get some nicer clothes, start being able to uh, afford a place on a nightly basis. Then I can shower, get cleaned up. Then I'll start interviewing. Then I'll get a better job. Then I'll get the car. Then I'll get the girl. Then you know, sure, so on and so forth, right? But what really ends up happening is I get a job. I go to McDonald's, right? I I get a job because they pretty much hire you on the spot. Sure. (laughs) I get access to a cash register, and I start thinking about, hmm, okay. Planning and escape plan to grab all the cash in the cash register and dip out, right? And then realizing, oh, that's probably not going to work because they do a drop every five minutes. Uh, so, okay, I quit and <laughs> <I'm> just walking <laughs> out the door, right? Wow. Um, so, that's that, you know, the book says that we come to a place where we can no longer differentiate the true from the false. And that's that daily like struggle of, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. But then what actually happens? I just do the same old thing. Wow, tell me about the timeline. So you've
0: got uh, you're in the you're in the military. You've got this regimented schedule. Probably mm-hmm. a lot of things going on, but not just the schedule. The people, the people that keep you on track. Hey, I need you to be here. Like the expectation is, is you got to be here, be there. How far is that from that pretty strong foundation to? I'm stealing money from McDonald's or anywhere else that I can get, like so that I can get my fix. Like how yeah. long is that transition time for you or how long until you go down that slippery slope?
1: A month, maybe two Wow. Right, from you Then it might be different for me because I was born addicted to crack cocaine. So this monster might've been sleeping in me from like the get go. Mm. It just finally had its opportunity to come out because growing up, I got adopted at a young age and my father for all those faults, did do a lot of very good things for me. And one of those was he was a very strict disciplinarian, right? So I do very well in structured environments, like someone waking me up in the morning, telling me where to go, how to be and what to do. Like I can follow orders. Very, I was a good soldier. I was a really good soldier. Right. But where I struggle is now, okay, I don't have that accountability. right? And like, that's where like, I can figure out how to get the job, how to get the girl, like how to do all that. Um, That's pretty simplistic. What's more challenging is, hey, how do I do the right thing when nobody's watching and I know for sure I can get away with it? Oh, wow. That's how powerful. do people how do people just do the right thing? Like that was such a foreign thought to me. Like, wait, you have the opportunity to get a thousand dollars. Right. Doing some shady stuff. You know, you can get away with it, but you just choose not to.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Why? Yeah,
1: <right. laughs> you know, and so that's what I struggled with. And like, how do you how do you. Just wake up in the morning and just be okay you know how do you just wake up and be, oh, all right let's get the day started instead of oh, oh, right
0: you know? terrified just like
1: yeah so those were the things that i couldn't figure out how to do especially like transitioning back um and that kind of like played a part because anytime i got into any type of like recovery program or rehab like i always do very well in those but then right. I do my 90 days, 60 days, whatever the case may be. And then I get out and my back's no longer up against that wall. You know, maybe I, I got, you know, some health back. I have some things back. I got some opportunities going, right? And then all of a sudden that moment comes when, hey, I can do the wrong thing or I can do the right thing. And I just don't know how to, how do I, <laughs> how do turn I take right. this path, right? <laughs> right? How do I do the right thing? I just would always do the wrong thing and would just start this continuous cycle of, you know, get sober, get some time underneath your belt. Thirty days, ninety days, six months—get um, some things going for you, and then burn it all down because you make one bad decision that leads to a series of unfortunate events, right? and then all of a sudden you're back at square one, knocking on the rehab door, saying, "Hey, you guys still take my insurance?" Wow, you know, that's
0: a that's a big thing for our our viewers and everybody to hear is is that sometimes. It takes a lot more, I'm going to say, chances or opportunities. You have obviously, you know, got some sobriety under your belt uh, quite Mm -hmm. some time now, and that's super powerful. Talk to me a little bit about why recovery, why uh, not just sobriety, but recovery was different for you this time. Like you've got, you know, again, well over a year of sobriety, uh, continuous sobriety, um, haven't used. What was some of the pivotal key components of why you got and stayed sober this time?
1: So I think I stopped listening to what other people were telling me and just taking their P's and Q's. Um, and I think you find that a lot in the um, you know sobriety world, in the world of sponsorship and going to meetings, right? You tend to cling on to somebody, oh, hey, this guy has what I want. I'm going to do exactly what he did mm. and I'll get the same result. And that's not really how it works, right? Everyone's path is different. Um, and eventually, like, you have to find that courage to step out on your own and be like, hey, like, I'm going to do this because... I think that, you know, this is going to work out well for me, right? Or my program doesn't look exactly like yours. Your program doesn't look exactly like your sponsor's. Um, So for me, I think a big difference maker was like establishing like that for myself. Like, hey, what do I really want out of life? And like, do I want to just go to a meeting every day or two meetings every day and just constantly be around people in sobriety and Always going to events and just like that's all my life is, or did I get sober to build a life outside of recovery as well? Wow. Um and that's what I've done and like my main focus um before I was the guy that was all about, you know, being like Mr. Popular in the rooms and like Mr. Sobriety and you know a lot of notoriety saying all the right things. Yeah, saying all the right things, just regurgitating good things that I've heard in other meetings, right? But none of it was really authentic. Right? And that's, I, I think that's a key word for me is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Right Today, I'm more authentically myself than I ever have been in the past because I'm not worried about impressing you or that girl or, or this person or this organization. Like I live today for me. Wow. Right, And when you put, when you do your sobriety for yourself, I think that's the difference maker. It's not about making my father proud. It's not about getting these accolades or any of these materialistic things. It's about like waking up in the morning and having the courage to face the world without a mask on and saying, Hey, this is me. This is who God created. Take it or leave it. Wow. There's some power in that, that you got so comfortable in your own skin.
0: What you'd created in in the military was a version probably that was fake too. Right, it's sure. a hardened, you know, killer. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's some guy that doesn't necessarily look like you wanted to be, but they have we created that in your addiction. I think we also create that this sort of false sense of like, oh, this is okay behavior, or this is what I look like. And then as yeah. you grow out of it, you start recreating what your life looks like. And today, mm-hmm. I know that you've started an organization, belong. I want to go into that for sure. It's super sure. powerful and some some cool stuff. What leads you on this path of like different? different, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word tactics or um, training that you do on a, I'm going to say regular or daily basis that allow you to not just gain sobriety, but gain some more comfortableness with your skin, like on a, on a regular basis, something, somebody in our audience can take with them and say, man, I can do this on a daily basis and get more comfortable with me. How do they get where they, where Isaac is today?
1: Well, I mean, something that was good for me was uh, when I was in rehab, I made a decision to, because most of the time, like, I go into a rehab and I would just kind of, like, fall into the mold, right? Uh, where are the cool kids, right? And I'd, like, fall in with them and do what they did. I mean, I really try to d- differentiate myself from that of, like, hey, like, I'm going to be here for the right reasons. I'm going to get all that I can out of this. Right. So instead of sitting down with my therapist and just, you know, giving them the, cause I know how to check the boxes, play people. Yeah. I know sure. how to do all that, but Hey, let's, uh, let's be real and authentic and, and see where that leads. Right. Let me try something different and see where it leads. Um, and for me that's something different Were the thing, all the things that I never wanted to do, like, Hey, I don't really want to ostracize myself. Like I feel comfortable like being the man in rehab and like, I feel comfortable like in these groups. Right. But where am I uncomfortable? Right. And So for me, like doing the things that I never wanted to do got me to the places that I always wanted to be. Say that again. Doing the things that I never wanted to do got me to the places that I always wanted to be.
0: Wow. That's powerful. And that's something we talk a lot about is when you're uncomfortable, that's exactly where you're supposed to be. Like this isn't going to be a discovery journey of yourself is probably not going to be that comfortable. There's some things Mm -hmm. that we've got to dig into that I had to put on paper and look at and say to myself, Ooh, that's gross. Like, I don't like that about me, you know, things that again, we've created and imageries that come up in our head that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Those are still there, but now you've started to discover them and recognize them, right? Like you recognize today better. Some of these, we call them character defects in the rooms. Like, but you know, how do you then react? So now you're saying I'm making better decisions. What guides you down that path where you go, man, I could never like, turn right. I always turn left. I always took the wrong path. What? How did then you determine or make some decisions to just start doing the right thing?
1: You know, for me, I remember this moment so clearly in my sobriety because it was, it was a turning point. Um, and it was the first time like you come to one of those crossroads, right? Because when I say before that, like I never figured out how to take the right path. Like I knew what the right thing was to do. I just never did it. And then and like little things lead to big victories. Right. So I did a lot of little little things leading up to this moment to prepare me. Right. How you how you live today determines how you get to live tomorrow. Right. The decisions you make today um, factor into what your tomorrow is going to look like. Right. So I was doing a lot of little things. Right. Like, hey, you know, I'm waking up in the morning. I'm doing a gratitude list. Um, you know, if I have a chore, I'm making sure that gets done. Right. What do I concentrate on today to like knock out? Like, OK, I got to do I got to show up to group. Right. I got to make sure I participate. Um, I have to, you know, meal prep for the week, like whatever those little things look like. Right. That uh, aren't necessarily just like staying sober. Right. But what do healthy little decisions look like? Right. And so I had gained a pattern of doing that consistently. And then finally, this moment came and I had an opportunity to do what i had always done in the past. Right. And get that same result. Or I had the opportunity to do something different. And because of the I believe because of those little victories that I had, I was more able to pause in that moment and really consider what the other might look like. Right. And I couldn't see past making the decision to do something different. I didn't know what it was going to lead to. Like, I didn't know the ramifications of what that was going to lead to, but I knew what this led to. Mm. And so I just made that decision. I said, hey, I'm going to respond with grace rather than wrath. Let me see what happens. Wow. Because I had an opportunity with somebody in my life where, you know, they wronged me, um, and I could have easily walked away from the situation and been like, you know what? Mm -mm. Like, I deserve better. Like, how dare you? How could you? Mm. And I would have been justified by everybody else in my life. Like, yeah, you know, she did this. Like, I'm justified in my decision. But instead of doing that, I said, like, how would I want someone to treat me in this situation? And how have people treated me like this in this situation in the past? Have I been given grace? Have I been granted forgiveness? Yeah, I have. So maybe I should do that for somebody else. Wow. And I did that, and it led to, like, a really beautiful thing.
0: Oh, man, that's super powerful. And I think a a lot of people will resonate with the fact that those little factors of yesterday Develop a lot of the characteristics. What tomorrow's look like? That's so powerful, man. Thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that with you. I want to go a little bit into belong, man. It's uh, it's uh, exciting what I've read about it. I as soon as I you know kind of got the the idea or the thoughts behind it, they were yeah. well done and, and, and it's certainly something that I can get on board with. Tell me a little bit about what you see for the future of belong and and what that looks like and and how and how we move um, a person from the habits and things that they used to do into this new behavior and new things that they're going to do what is it that you're doing with people in recovery
1: yeah so uh, the idea for belong spurred from this uh just kind of like being like the experiences that i've had like in recovery right uh i think there's a lot of things from you know the big book that are going to stand the test of time that transition very well from the 1930s into the 2020s um there's also some things that don't right and there's things, like anytime you build something and there's enough continuity to it, um, people get lazy with it, right? It just becomes a norm and, oh, you know, I'm going to go to rehab and I'm going to go to these groups and I'm going to check in on the feelings wheel and, you know, all this different stuff that we do. And it just becomes this like monotonous behavior that doesn't now produce like any result, right? And that's what, it wasn't what it was intended for, but that's what it's become, right? And so when we see these like monotonous behaviors that aren't producing any new results, right? It's like, um, it's like when you hit a plateau when you're working out, right? Like if you, if you continually train your body the same way, eventually you're going to plateau and your body's going to become adjusted to it and you're not going to gain any more progress. Mm. So what do you have to do? You have to switch things up. You have to do new exercises and you have to trick your body, right? And it's like, oh, this is new. How do I, right? And this keeping it in this like constant learning loop, right? So I was looking at recovery and I said, man, what are we, what are we missing here? Like what, how do we, how do we shake things up a little bit? Right. And so what are the two things that everybody who goes into any rehab center ever get diagnosed with when they're in detox?
0: Um, probably bi um bipolar or depression, depression right? and anxiety, depression and anxiety. Okay, right?
1: are you depressed? Are you anxious? Yep, check, okay. check. Right. Right. So, what are things that we can do outside of a pill that can now like battle these? Right, because when it comes to addiction, like for me, it's so much more than just like staying sober. Like, hey, like, like if you're in like your first thirty days, then I'll give it to you. Right. If the only thing you did right today was stay sober, you know, you don't. Had sex with a newcomer, you, you knocked off a grandma, you know you, you robbed a bank, whatever the case may be. you punched a baby, whatever, but you stayed sober. sober, okay, chalk it up as a w, and for your first 30 days, that might be okay. But as you progress down the timeline of sobriety, like things that were okay in your first 30 days, they aren't okay at six months. Things that are okay at six months, they're not okay at a year.? Right? You have to be progressively growing and getting better and making sure that you know like holding yourself to a higher standard. And I think, like, for me, that's been a big key to, like, just living life. Hey, what can I do today that's just a little bit better than what I did yesterday? How can I improve as a human being? And so when I was looking at recovery, especially early recovery, what are tools that we can arm these guys with that will help combat all the things that lead to a relapse, right? Okay. So say, you know, you just got out of recovery, right? You're sitting at a bus stop. You're at some crappy little halfway house, you know, you're sharing a bed with four other dudes, you know, they're stinky, they smell, your food's being stolen, you know, you're living in the ghetto, Um, you're at a bus stop and someone's, you know, smoking a tray of fentanyl and you start looking at it and because... Everything else in your life, right, is so crappy, right? And maybe you got out and you decided you didn't want to take your medication because you don't want to be on any pills, right? So now you have your anxiety, you have your depression, you live in a crappy place, you know, you're searching for work. You have all these contributing factors that go towards, well, yeah, that tray actually looks a little better. Wow. Right? But now, fast forward and say, you know, you're doing something. You started that day, um, got a 30-minute workout in, and then you went into a cold plunge. Then you sat in an infrared sauna, right These are proven um, for lack of a better word, treatments that are clinically proven to reduce anxiety and depression um, in not only addicts and alcoholics but everyday people right it 's not just the recovery aspect from like your body like there are so many mental benefits to cold plunging and sitting in an infrared sauna for thirty minutes a day right so you have that so you 've got your mind in a better place, so even if you are you know in a crappy situation like where you 're living. Um, just like your mind is better suited for that war that's coming when you're presented with that drink or drug. And that's kind of where Belong came in. I was like, hey, what can we do differently that nobody's doing right now to help in the battle against addiction and recovery? And so we came up with this like this body-first recovery approach because mm-hmm. we believe that, hey, like the body is the most, most tangible thing. You see it every day. You feel it every day. You're in it every day, right? It's your vessel. You're not getting away from it until you leave this plane. Right. So getting that body healthy, is going to then lead to like, Hey, you know, I'm feeling pretty good today. You know, I got those natural endorphins pumping. I'm looking better when I look in the mirror. I I feel a little better about Mm -hmm. myself. Now you have the recovery piece of it, you know, sat in a cold plunge for three to six minutes. Right. And we've all done much harder things than sitting in some cold water. <laughs> right. right. So anybody that's like, Oh, it's too cold. It's like, you've been through worse <laughs> in your life. Right, right. Exactly. And this is actually going to benefit you just get in the cold water after a minute, your body's going to go numb and you're going to start getting those effects. Right. Um, and you're just able to put your mind then in a better spot. So the body leads to putting your mind in a better spot. Now that your mind's in a better spot, maybe you get a little bit more out of that meditation that you're doing. Mm. Right? Maybe you get a little bit more out of your time that you spend with God or your higher power or whatever you want to call it. Right? So now your spirit's also healing. Right? So or body leads to mind, mind leads to spirit. But we start with the body.
0: Oh, that's a super great way of looking at it because a lot of people always put that mind, then body, then spirit, Mm -hmm. and in reality. And I've talked to a lot of people on our podcast. The order doesn't have to be any order. Like we always think that it's you know three parts that we've got to kind of heal from, but in reality, it doesn't have to be again your person's way, your sponsor's way, this other way that somebody's told you. So you guys are looking at it from a different angle. Um, I'm going to not say backwards, but in a different order that might actually impact somebody pretty quick like as you start saying hey i look pretty good or i feel pretty good and that puts my mind in a way better position to attack the day um love what you guys are doing anything else you want to add about the like the science behind that i mean i've read a lot of what you've written and, and and some of the stuff is just super powerful what is some of the science behind that 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 isn't just like Isaac thinks this is going to work. What are some of the things that happen when I sit in, let's say a cold plunge or a, a sauna? What, what are some of the things that happen actually scientifically in the body?
1: Yeah. So um, in your brain, right? So the brain, if you look at a cross section of the human brain from the top down, it's separated into three distinct sex- sections, right? So the outermost layer is our neocortex. Um, that's where we can do things like, uh, like reason and make decisions and understand facts and figures, um, and things like that. Um, the midbrain, um, not too much science on that. Um, and then you have the inner brain, your, your reptilian brain, right? This is why you don't have to tell your heart to beat. This is what controls your fight or flight. Um, instincts. And, yeah, your instincts, right? It's so your instinctual behavior. Um, and it does ha- has no capacity to communicate with words. Right. So you ever been in a situation where someone's explaining something to you and all the facts and the figures are lining up and it lines up with exactly what you want, but you kind of get that, we call that a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, just something doesn't feel right. 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 That's because they're not speaking to you. Right. You're able to disseminate like the facts and the figures, but if they don't speak to the why of like, wait, how this is going to benefit you, why is it going to be- benefit you? Then that part of like your reptilian brain is going to fight against that, right? Because it doesn't know how to communicate in words, but it just says, hey, like this isn't hitting on all cylinders. It doesn't feel right. Get out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um and so when you step into a cold plunge, right, it helps recalibrate um the brain. And it's just like just for like three minutes, right? So three minutes is a minimal effective dose. Uh six minutes is a maximum effective dose. Um and so when you get in this cold plunge, um, it does a cool thing to the brain because it puts your brain into that immediate like fight or flight mode. Um okay. and your survival instincts start kicking in, right? So your body starts rushing all the blood to the vital organs. Um and it resets your central nervous system, right? So it's mm. kind of like a, you know, say like you're a computer, right? And you start glitching and there's something going on, right? Well what do you do with your computer? Turn it off. You turn it off, and then you turn you it back on reboot. Nine times out of ten it fixes the issue. So a cold plunge is like a reboot for your brain. Hmm. Right. And so And your brain is always trying to get to equilibrium, right? It just wants to be level. And so what we do when we introduce mass amounts of, like, drugs and alcohol is we get these huge spikes in the brain, right? So if our brain is level right here, right, and we're getting, like, little spikes here and then a dip and the spike, but it's level across, right? So when you start getting these huge spikes and huge spikes, your brain takes normal from here and it puts it up here. Wow. And it takes a while for it to recalibrate back to normal and cold plunging helps with that so it helps with anxiety and depression because it's giving your brain that reset and it's like factory settings right so you're back to normal you feel normal
0: Wow. That's a lot of stuff there. And, and quite frankly, I love the fact that what you said is, is that stories are stickier than facts. I heard that the other day mm-hmm. is like, you can give me all the science behind it, but you tell me, Hey man, this is what I did. And this is what worked for me. sounds like what you're doing with your, the people that you're working with. Some of the, um, exact examples of how this has worked. And, uh, of course I've done some of that myself and I go, man, this is super powerful. When I go, I get out of that water and I get out of that heat and I go, man, I feel good about me. Like I feel good about like the day and I feel like I can attack it. So thanks for what you're doing, man. I hopefully, uh, think, I think you're on the right path and certainly not just in your personal life, but in how you're helping others, it's a super powerful way that you can move forward. And, and we're proud of you at Let's Go Recovery. Um, you know, you've been there kind of day one and, and have been on this journey, you know, with us and we're appreciative of that and we're going to be there for you. So, uh, thank you for being here. Uh, guys, once you, uh, you know, see this clip, go ahead and log in, uh, follow, subscribe, do all that sorts of stuff and, and follow belong. I appreciate Isaac being here and all the work that he's doing in the recovery community. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time. I hope you heard something today that gets you to take one small step into the version of the person that you want to be. For more content like this, subscribe to our channel below, or you can go on letsgorecovery.org. Until next time,